In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. I'm here, my co-host Jack. Jack, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm really looking forward to any time we get anyone from on from PFF. I'm always excited. It's always really good to chat to them, guys. So we're here with the PFF legend himself from Mavivi, if I said that correct. <laughs> no, John but... Costco. John, <laughs> how <Midgey>. are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm great, Paul. How are you? <laughs> yeah, good, good. I'm actually really stressed today, uh, John. I'm I'm working on this vlog and the download button's like just crashing my computer. So uh, um, I thought I'd jump on say hi on my iPhone. How's the cooking going, John? It's, it's going great. It sounds like you need uh, to graduate to PC instead of having those Apple products, really. Ooh. Brutal. <laughs> I'm afraid, Brutal. I'm, we're afraid to say, John, we're a pro Mac show. <laughs> Ooh, that might be the reason why the, the issues with the download button for whatever reason. But Damn we wouldn't it. pay two first-round picks for that, Mac. He's not quite that good. Uh, oh, that's good. That's good. Very good. But, yeah, but, um, but John, I, I wanted to just come on and say hi. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. And uh, I look forward to listening to later on. Jack, you are Captain Jack for the rest of the show. I'm leaving it with you, mate. This could get wild. So thank you very much, Paul. Good luck. And no we'll worries. see you soon. Hey, right, good luck with your phone there, Paul. Thanks for no having worries. me. <laughs> Cheers, John. Take care. You too. So we've got John on and it's obviously talking about PFF. One thing, we're going to look a lot on free agency, but uh, it's an interesting discussion that's been going on and I, I want to delve a little bit onto it because John threw it out there and uh, some people had a meltdown with it and those are the things I love talking about. So Ed Oliver shouldn't be a first round pick. I, I, there's a lot I agree with there, but explain your case. Yeah, so I made this case back in what, September, October um, and it was, we had two years of, of grading on Ed Oliver and he's a fantastic run defender, uh, no, you know, defensive tackle, but obviously passing rules in the NFL and what can you do from a pass rushing standpoint? And basically up until then he had been terrible as a pass rusher this year, he was better, but still we have. You know, it's just it's one year of, of, of a sample size, pretty small because he didn't even finished the entire season of him rushing the passer pretty much all poorly throughout his whole career. And this year he took a step forward, but still not at the, like an elite level like you see from like Quinn and Williams uh, or any other of these top end tier defenders. And so he doesn't uh, pressure the quarterback on a consistent basis like you'd want uh, from, you know, a first round draft pick as a as a defensive tackle and that's pretty much the reasoning you know I mean as athletic as he looks and he is athletic I'm not going to take that away from him but he doesn't string together pass rush moves to be able to defeat into your offensive lineman that's basically it and I I'm not touching him at all in the in the first round if he dress for whatever reason would drop to the second round then you you know I might consider it so but not definitely in the first round for me yeah and for PFF looking at lots of the work you guys do Defensive line grades are one of the 
best you guys are able to predict from college to the pros. So there's a lot of evidence backing up what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. And Eric Eager and George Trahui, they're, you know, our two data analysts, uh, both done really good work with, you know, our, our numbers and what projects best to the NFL and uh, defensive line is definitely one of the, the easiest projections and uh, what tr- correlates for uh, college prospects. And so, yeah, Ed Oliver's pass rushing numbers just do not, do not spell out good things for him. He's going to be a great run defender in the NFL. That might, might not even be the case because of his size, because at, at that position, he might have to kick him out to a wider position, like making sure that he's no longer getting double teamed to be able to do that. But we'll see. Fantastic. So the next position I want to look at is offensive tackle. So the Browns had Chris Hubbard and uh, Greg Robinson, which in the second half of the season, it was, I'm going to say, I haven't looked at numbers, but I'm going to say historically good numbers when it comes to quarterback hits. They were not even comparable to most of the league with how low they were, but the play wasn't good. Um, And it's just sort of, how do you guys grade that to work out that the quarterback wasn't getting hit, but the play wasn't great? Right. So um, we're great. Obviously, how we grade is we're watching what they do on every on snap. So and here's also, a, you know, kind of a misconception about how the offensive tackles were performing in the first eight weeks of the season. Chris Hubbard actually p- performed better in the first half of the season than he did in the second half of the season. A big reason why Baker Mayfield wasn't getting hit in the second half of the season is because he was getting rid of the ball much more quickly. So that's going to make everything look a lot better. You got a better scheme around the team, makes everybody else look better than what they were doing uh, the first eight weeks of the season. So Hubbard's play was was good in the, in the first half of the season. It just took a small step back to slightly less good in the second half. Now, obviously, you you change from Desmond Harrison, who was giving up pressure left and right, uh, to to Greg Robinson, who was good but not anything special. Um, at the left tackle position and what we're looking at is, you know, even if you're not giving up pressure, you can still get beat on the play. Uh, but if the ball's out quickly enough, you're not creating that pressure. So we're grading that if he got beat, even if it's the ball's out in 1.5 seconds, you know, there's obviously a case that, you know, the, the often tackle was beat really quickly, but nobody, not even Aaron Donald is getting there in 1.5 seconds. So that's kind of, you know, we're looking at that. We're basically, the timing of how quickly the offensive tackles get beat is what, you know, constitutes into that grade. If you're, it's a, if it's a really late beat, like if you've blocked the off, you know, the defensive end for three seconds and then you give up the pressure, you're getting a much lower downgrade than say giving it up in two seconds, which you'll, you'll get heavily penalized for. That's really good. And I've been a big proponent of if we can find that offensive tackle, then grab them. So we had a question in on Twitter from at, Matt Darcy, the base he said he reckons most of the decent offensive tackle prospects will be gone by 17. What's your sort of view on that? And is there any sort of names in there that PFF has sort of liked from the offensive tackle class? Yeah, it's obviously it's really difficult to see, you know, to, to project who's going to be there. Um, you know, a couple of the guys that I really like are Jonah Williams and Dalton Reisner. Jonah Williams as out of Alabama, Reisner from Kansas State. I think can't Reisner is the best of the bunch in my opinion he's a guy that uh, really just never gets beat in pass protection uh, he rarely even gets beat as a run blocker too he doesn't have the the high-end plays that you could see from like Jonah Williams but really from what you want from a, a an offense tackle standpoint is a guy who just doesn't get beat 
and Joan or and Dalton Reisner is that type of guy. Um, now, would I draft a offensive tackle at 17 if they fall there? It depends on how the board falls, right? Like that's a, obviously an important position that you want to fill. Um, I think you you consider all the possibilities there, but you know if like a Reisner or a Williams is there, and and you know all the top cornerbacks are gone, um, you know edge rushers that are going to hit pat, rush the passer are gone too. Then yes, I would consider drafting an offensive tackle that position, but it's obviously just depends on how the board falls. But I would say it's it's in play, but it's not a, a drastic need that the Browns need to reach for by any means. No, it's great stuff. Um, flip to the defensive side of the ball. I just want to ask you about Trey Flowers. I love Trey Flowers and anyone that follow me on Twitter. It's basically what 50% of my tweets have been about for the last two months. But um, <laughs> Trey Flowers finished sixth in edge defender numbers for PFF. Miles Garrett finished 12th. Um, and I just, Trey Flowers um, came out of, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but really improve this year to come to that really really elite level so um what can we see from it is it just a one year or has pff done any data on is that sustainable for trey flowers yeah so trey flowers is a guy that we were touting as as a first round prospect when he came out and was drafted in the third round so he's a guy that we really like coming out of college he was at the same draft class as nick or joey joey bosa is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Or no, he's a year before Joey Bosa. So, but the thing is, when he his his final season, in Trey Flowers' final season, Joey Bosa graded out at a, an elite level, and Trey Flowers was right behind him. So he was the second highest graded edge rusher that year. Um, obviously, got drafted in the third round, and then has performed extremely well when given the opportunity. Um, and he's only improved every year. He's, I think his grades have all been above eighty. So he's a guy that projecting forward I see no reason why he should be dropped you know would just fall off a cliff like you see some like uh, Vernon Oliver who had one excellent year before you know in his contract year and really hasn't had that same success um, in New York as he did at that you know last half of the year with Miami so Trey Flowers I definitely see is a guy who can sustain that because he he has played at that high level and this year it just you know he it was shown obviously at a, at a higher level um, than what had shown in the past years because he had more snaps and stuff like that. So he's a guy projecting forward. I, I see no reason that he's going to fall off. And he would be uh, excellent, you know, to pair with Miles Garrett. That would give him a one-two punch to, on the ends. That would be just deadly for the Browns. Yeah, I, I think it wreck absolute havoc. It would probably be the best tandem, um, definitely in that conversation. Inside, you got Ogan Joby. That he, there was flashes of brilliance this season but it was the inconsistency. And was that because the O-line wasn't particularly great? Because Miles Garrett's amazing. Ogan Joby's got the potential to be amazing. Ogba's solid, but not exceptional. And then Trayvon Coley is just meh um, in my eyes. But is it just inconsistency or is it the fact that he's played so many snaps? What's sort of the, what's the I, issue? I think yeah, I think it's a combination of all that, right? So like he, he had the, the, the most snaps of any defensive tackle in the NFL that wears on you. And you, you saw it early in the season where he flashed more than he did in the, towards the end of the year. Uh, and then he also had the torn, you know, whatever it was, a torn biceps or a strained biceps, whatever it was, that's going to obviously cause issues, you know. And when you have so many overtime games, his body wore down. So um, 
I think some of it was utilization. He was uh, out at, you know, he's better as actually a nose tackle than he is as a, as a say, as a three-tech or a two-tech or whatnot. So he's better when he's heads up on the, on the center and he was playing more so outside. Um, you know, and also having not having uh, as good of a defensive line as they did the year before. Losing Danny Shelton kind of hurts that. So he was in a better rotation last year. Um, where he, where he graded out much better. So I think it's a combination. You know, you've you got to have that consistency on a down-to-down basis. Uh, but it, the scheme and where he was played and then obviously having so many snaps did not help him. And then obviously the injury. So if we're looking more overall, what, what are those free agency names that you'd be rooting for the Browns to sign? Is there anyone out there that obviously franchise tags could ruin it all? But um who are the names out there that you'd really like to see? And it doesn't just have to be the elite names. It can be the lower names. So like Darius Philon um, has been mentioned as potential three-tech option for the Browns as more depth. Um, just the names that interest you. Yeah, I think somebody that, you know, I'll just, I'm going to name one guy off the top of my head who um, really hasn't had any type of any notoriety in the NFL yet is that Justin Coleman, who's a slot cornerback out of uh, Seattle. Over the past three seasons, he has like a has a top ten coverage grade out of the slot, and you know if anybody has paid attention to PFF, how important slot cornerbacks are in the NFL because of how valuable throwing to the slot is, uh, and he's a guy that's really good in man. So he's a, a great coverage defender, uh, and he's shown that consistently in his years in Seattle. Uh, and he's going to be very cheap. So he's a guy that I think should be targeted. I'm always for adding more to that secondary. So a guy, even a guy like Ronald Darby, who, who has had some injury history, but obviously when he's healthy, has played at a high level. Even like a Jason Verrett, who would, should come extremely cheaply, uh, would be beneficial for the Browns because um, I think it'd be a low risk, high reward type of signing if he, if he you know, you, you sign the contract where it's you're protected against his injury. It's you know you, you you get out of it no problem. But if he hits hits his stride and he's healthy and he plays like at the level that you expect him to, uh, I think those would be uh, you know obviously a good hit. So I'm all for like attacking the secondary and even drafting guys like that too. So um, those are some of the names that I would go for just off the top of my head from a secondary standpoint. Um, and then really, if you're looking at you know defensive tackle. I mean, Grady Jarrett, if you can sign him to not so much of a um, – uh, it, it depends on how the, the numbers there, right? But, like, I think I think that's somebody you pass on re- realistically, but, you know, it's a, a dream fantasy type signing there. Okay, that's good stuff. You mentioned about slot receivers and the importance of the slot. And what's sort of the tight ends versus slot receivers? Because, um, obviously, the Patriots – a few years ago, they had Hernandez, they had Gronk and caused absolute havoc by having two big pumped up um, tight ends versus obviously the Browns have had Jarvis Landry and we're not going to go into that debate. He was paid too much money, end of that. Um, but what would be better for teams? Is it find the right slot receiver? Is it go for two tight ends? You've got TJ Hoxton, um, obviously they're potentially at 17. Do you go, right, we're just going to go two tight ends and go crazy? Because salary-wise, you can have the two highest-paid tight ends in the league or you can have the highest-paid wide receiver. It's basically the same price. Yeah, I think what you want is a balanced attack, right? So and however you de- deploy that is what's be- you know, best. So, you know, you look at 
as obviously the Patriots, they had the two tight ends with Gronk and Hernandez. And even when Hernandez, you know, is no longer in the league, they've always tried to supplement Gronk with another tight end. And I think having, you know, targets. So our numbers have shown targets to a tight end and targets to a slot receiver are pretty much equal. It's a slightly like very slightly more valuable to throw it to the tight end than it is a slot, but they're both more valuable than to an outside receiver. And you see in, in Tom Brady's time in, in New England, he's never really had that outside receiver threat outside of Moss for that one, you know, two-year stretch there. Um, he's always had the slot receivers in Wes Welker and Julian Edelman, and obviously the tight end with, with Rob Gronkowski, which has helped take his numbers to another level. So really, you know, I, I'm for with, you know, you, you, I think you can put, put, you know, put guys into the slot that, you know, they're more of a dime a dozen. They're not so much a dime a dozen, but there's a lot of slot receivers out there that can fill that role. There aren't that many tight ends. You know, the difference between an elite tight end and, and the next, you know, step down is a huge drastic difference. You know, you have, you know, Zach Ertz, Rob Gronkowski, not so much anymore, but Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and then it's a massive decline to the next tier of tight ends, whereas slot receiver is much more fluid thing and you can plug and play those types of players. So if you ever can find that, that elite tight end, if you are, you know, get that, those, you know, you target that, right? So I think that's where you come in, but target seats are very, very valuable. No, fantastic stuff. And that's really good. Um, I had one last question on the top of my tip, but it's gone. Um, any other points you'd like to make? Players you should focus on? Any early draft crushes? Um, bits like that. Well, I'm going through some Arkansas State tape right now. I'm a, a edge defender, Ronheem Bing, Bingham. If anybody's followed the PFF account, you know that he had the second highest pass rush grade of any player in the nation this year. So taking a good look at him, he's an explosive, a little bit undersized, but he's a uh, uh, great athlete unfortunately he did tear his mcl in, in his bowl game so that'll be something to monitor there but um really i'm i'm still kind of going through all this stuff of i don't haven't developed any of my guys yet for this draft class but really what it is is that um just happy for in terms of the browns you don't have to worry about the quarterback position anymore because baker mayfield is the real deal um anybody that's just you know, subscribes to PFF and can get that QB annual that we have knows all the, the good details in there. He, he's, he wasn't as uh, great as avoiding, you know, uncatchable and negative plays as um, maybe like a Patrick Mahomes this year. But I think as a, you know, as for a rookie from a rookie standpoint, he was phenomenal. Had the second best year that we've had from a rookie quarterback in the PFF era since 2006 uh, just behind Russell Wilson, who benefited from a run-heavy offense. So, you know, it, it, the future is obviously bright for the for the Browns. And I think, you know, a lot of people want to, you know, spend all the money that the Browns have in free agency to because the windows now. I think you need to be smart with it because um, you want to obviously still build for the future. So when the window you have to pay Baker, you're able to do so. Um, you, you can pay him and still have a very good roster and not just sell the farm just to win it in a one, two year window, but want to sustain that for 10, 15 years. Yeah. It is terrifying when I, I did some looking into the numbers for um, uh, Mac and Rogers and thought if Garrett becomes Mac level, if 
Baker over his rookie seasons becomes um, Rogers levels. If you paid the pair of them, that's 26% of your salary cap over a four year window, which is an insane amount of money. Um, and no team has ever spent that level on two players. So we can all sit here cross our fingers and hope he takes a Tom Brady discount, but you can't rely on it. So we could have an insane cap situation where it literally explodes on two players. Right. I think uh, people aren't going to like this this take, but when Miles Garrett's up for a contract, I think you let him go. Yep. That's, I mean, that you, you had him for his rookie contract, and you probably franchise him to get that one extra year on him uh, during rookies Baker, you know, Baker's rookie contracts. But really, when it comes down to it, the first and foremost thing that you want to do is pay Baker um, because you want to keep him long-term. Obviously, you can you know you you're expecting him to develop into the you know the the top five quarterback in the nfl um you know on the brady level drew Brees level type player so um you have to pay him and then you have to build your roster similar to what the patriots do and you look at what the patriots do every single year they let guys like Chandler jones go they they let their top edge rushers go um, and they constantly are drafting because they're c- accumulating more picks. They're always getting more um, compensatory picks. And then they're also doing trades with for players like Jason McCourty and, and Danny Shelton for basically moving down 50 spots in the draft, which is obviously, you know, you're gaining a, a veteran player who's going to contribute uh, very positively to your team while basically not losing a draft pick and then they're going to turn around and use those draft picks to for either on players or to make moves in the draft more so and that's what you have to do um and then you look at what bilch belichick does as well is that he prioritizes the secondary he doesn't prior prioritize those pass rushes if he can get the he's able to scheme up pressure uh but you can't fake tight man coverage you can you can fake blitzes you can stunt you can do all sorts of things with your front seven to create pressure uh, and and to contain the quarterback, but you you need the cornerbacks to be able to lock it down in in man coverage, and that's what's most important. And he's shown that throughout his entire GM career, um, and that's the path that the Browns need to take. So you, as much as Browns fans might hate it, I think saying goodbye to Miles Garrett after his rookie years are up, uh, rookie contract years are up, is gonna should be reality um, because you have to pay Baker and not. Miles Garrett. So, yeah. If you if you keep him for five years, tag him, then trade him for two first. You're in a fantastic position where you can uh, go and add more talent. And it's just about continuing to add that talent because rather than go all in and have four amazing years, let's let's make that eight and uh, let's make that twelve. So, um, why not? Let's have a dynasty. Uh, the one question, and last question, I've remembered it. It was Brashad Perryman. He came out and had a really good season. Obviously, a smaller sample size than some of the rest. Um, should the Browns be really trying to pursue him? And potentially, what do you see him going for? Because I think he, he could go bigger money if he hits the market because he could be one of the best wide receivers available this year. Yeah, I mean, the free agents class for the wide receivers is not great. So for him, it would be beneficial for him to hit the free agent market because he probably would get paid more but it would be beneficial for the Browns and I think both for him because he you know resurrected his career which was always never good in Baltimore and he had you know was plagued with drops and stuff and he was utilized properly in Cleveland so I think you know I think at the price is right the Browns should keep him but really um, I think 
when you have the, a quarterback of Baker Mayfield's talent that he's able, you know, whatever receivers you put out there, he's going to find them open and he's going to uh, throw them open and, and make, you know, have, give them opportunities to make plays. So um, would it be nice to keep hard Perryman? Of course. Uh, but I don't think his play necessitates any type of big contract. I think you, you do a team friendly contract. And if he says, no, I'm going to test free agent waters and get, something much bigger out on the market and let that other team do that uh, good stuff um thank you so much for coming on guys make sure you go and listen to pff you've got the pff podcast with uh steve and sam my personal favorite though is the pff forecast with eric and george they do such a good job and the off season is the most exciting time the main season they're telling you about the betting they're basically telling you what the results of the game is and you don't even have to watch them but in the off season they go and start looking at things. They start explaining why left tackle and right tackle is really similar. Pass versus um, run. Um, coverage versus pass rush. There's lots of really fascinating shows they do. Um, but plug yourself, John. Plug PFF. Um, it's an awesome tool. Yeah, so go to PF, uh, profootballfocus.com. Uh, we have a couple of different subscription packages. The Edge is this cheaper one. That'll still get you the draft guide, which will be coming out pretty shortly. A free agent guide, which will obviously be coming out shortly. And it gets you the QB annual, which is already out, which gets 340 some odd pages of like this QB gold data. Uh, you know, if you want to know how, who the act, most accurate quarterbacks are, uh, their, you know, accuracy by depth of target, where they all rank within each other in the league and how they do in certain situations, uh, their EPA per dropback, which is expected points added, all that type of stuff. Um, and then they're, it's all in there. Uh, great job by the guys you know you know we collected the data the the team also puts it together all that good stuff so uh, get that and then if you want more which is get you the the weekly premium stats and all that with you know if you wanted the AF, AAF stuff um, even but they also have the NFL weekly which is an elite subscription so you get that and then obviously my Twitter handle is John Costco three which is J-O-H-N-K-O-S-K-O three so Follow me there, and we I'll randomly tweet out some good details of of stats and breakdowns and whatnot. So, yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on. Also, follow the PFF uh, Cleveland Browns account because each team's got an account. So, loads of good stuff coming out of there every day, all the time. So, no, thank you so much for coming on. Keep up the brilliant work. I love. And the PFF and everything. It, it makes life so much easier. If there's ever a player you're like, is this guy any good? Even just type in their name and then PFF into Google, you bang onto their page and it just gives you a really good idea. But you obviously subscribe, you get all that extra data. So it's a really, really good tool. But thank you, John, for coming on. Make sure you subscribe to the show. We've got some wicked guests coming up in the next couple of days. We've got Paul's International Show. Um, we've got um, Ravens guest on um, maybe oh no I'm going the wrong week I'm one week ahead got Steelers guest on um, got Paul's Irish show got Paul and Jack show which is always going to be entertaining might have a very very special guest but uh, that one is in the pipeline so uh, make sure you subscribe because who knows what's going to happen yeah thanks for having me Jack thank you very much <laughs>